Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to the Financial Times Big Read, a weekly podcast featuring the best of our long-form reporting from around the world. I'm Molly Mintz from the Opinion and Analysis Desk. Digital distractions are lurking everywhere. The World Health Organization created a new classification of gaming disorder to label those whose lives have been significantly impaired by excessive video gaming. Google and Apple have taken steps to address smartphone addiction, but critics say the large tech groups haven't regulated enough to cure hardcore addicts. After all, they are dependent on advertising income generated by the activity, say Tim Bradshaw and Hannah Kutchler. Who will solve big tech's struggle between responsibility and revenue? This report is narrated by Tim. Like many iPhone owners, Tim worries that he is spending too much time staring at the glowing black rectangle in his pocket. I have to tell you, I thought I was fairly disciplined about this, and I was wrong, says the 57-year-old from Alabama. When I began to get the data, I found I was spending a lot more time than I should, he adds. It is a problem familiar to many, yet one that he is uniquely positioned to solve. As Apple's chief executive, Tim Cook has to strike a delicate balance between addressing screen addiction and admitting that his company might be to blame for it. He told CNN last month that he wanted Apple customers to be satisfied and empowered by its devices, but insisted, we've never wanted people to spend a lot of time on them, or all their time on them. His comments coincided with Apple unveiling a set of controls in its iOS operating system designed to let users track how much time they spend on apps and to cut down on the number of notifications they receive. Empowering people with the facts will enable them to decide for themselves how they want to come back or if they want to come back at all, Mr Cook said. Yet when Apple marked the 10-year anniversary of the iPhone App Store, just a few weeks later, its press release celebrated the popularity of Angry Birds, Candy Crush Saga and Instagram without acknowledging the role that its platform's barrage of pings and notifications has played in training consumers to be constantly checking their screens. Digital distraction has been blamed for a range of ills, from ruining dinner table conversation and disrupting sleep patterns, to interfering with children's education and contributing to an increase in anxiety and depression, even putting young people at a higher risk of suicide. In June, the World Health Organization created a new classification of gaming disorder to describe people whose personal or professional lives have seen significant impairment due to excessive video gaming. Asian societies have been trying to address this issue for longer, In 2015, the South Korean government mandated that all smartphone users under the age of 19 install an app that allowed parents to monitor their activity. In China, internet and gaming addicts have been sent to boot camps for rehabilitation. Now, Silicon Valley has taken what is widely recognised as the first step towards treating addiction, admitting that it has a problem. But internet companies such as Facebook, Google and Twitter rely on winning consumers' attention to secure advertising revenues. The internet boom over the past decade, just like the dot-com bubble before it, has been largely fueled by eyeballs, only this time in such huge numbers that marketers have been keen to pay to reach them. 
some tech groups are trying to tackle the problem themselves. Evan Sharp, co-founder of Pinterest, says the scrapbooking app is pushing people to spend more time offline. Pinterest's tried it buttons encourage people not just to browse mindlessly, fantasizing about a better life, but to upload photos showing they really did make a recipe or complete a craft project. The most important thing to me is just trying to help people spend time on themselves. He adds, investors are likely to see a conflict of interest over Mr. Sharp's comment. There is only so far that internet companies can go in encouraging their billions of users to tear their eyes away from their apps before shareholders will start to worry about the impact on revenues. Given that smartphones are the most popular device for going online, campaigners have focused their attention on Apple and Google. Which makes the Android operating system run by the vast majority of the world's smartphones, identifying them as the gatekeepers to this world. In January, a pair of Apple investors wrote to the iPhone maker, urging it to consider the potential long-term consequences of new technologies when they are invented. The investors, Jana Partners and the California State Teachers Retirement System, wrote, "Apple can play a defining role in signaling to the industry." That paying special attention to the health and development of the next generation is both good business and the right thing to do. Making an implicit comparison to the regulatory crackdown and litigation that has swamped the tobacco and oil sectors, the investors warned companies pursuing business practices that make short-term sense may be undermining their own long-term viability. Serious legal threats or class-action lawsuits have not yet emerged around smartphone addiction. Nonetheless, both Google and Apple have taken steps to address the issue. Google's digital well-being tools and Apple's Screen Time offer new dashboards that calculate how long a smartphone user spends staring at particular apps, and offer the ability for parents and individuals to set time limits. Apple will allow parents to shut off specific apps and games on their children's devices at certain times of day using its time tracking system. Both companies are also tweaking how their smartphones handle alerts or push notifications to make them easier to mute or filter. Those tools will be released later this year as part of the next versions of Android and iOS. At Apple, Mr. Cook has said that its new features were in development long before shareholders started to agitate about these issues. But with big tech companies under intense regulatory pressure over taxes, privacy, and anti-competitive behavior, the industry has been trying to get out in front of screen addiction. For families in particular, a serious response from Silicon Valley cannot come soon enough. Jean Twenge, author of iGen, a book on superconnected kids, says parents have been crying out for the kind of controls only now being introduced. It is a really welcome development, and it looks easy to use, which is another really key thing, Ms. Twenge says. Apple, which unlike Google makes most of its money from selling devices rather than advertising, has an opportunity to turn a liability into a selling point. She adds. Parents might be more likely to buy their kid an iPhone if it had better parental controls, so it makes sense with their business model, Ms. Twenge says. For Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and other apps, it is a much harder sell. Their business models are based on people spending more time on the site, she says. Lynn Perkins, chief executive of U.S. babysitting service Urban Sitter, says managing the screen time for her three children, aged five to ten, is a very different proposition to television because the displays are so small and personalized. It would be great to see something that shows you just what apps and games they have been on," she says. Ms. Perkins admits that the responsibility ultimately lies with parents, not tech companies, to manage their children's smartphone usage. In her household, that has meant establishing no-screen Tuesdays when the entire family puts away its phones. 
Apple has won plaudits for its recent moves. Jaina and Calsters, the investors that called on the company to tackle screen addiction in January, welcomed its huge step in meeting that challenge in June, praising its ethical leadership. Yet some campaigners want to see Silicon Valley companies, which together have hundreds of billions of dollars in cash at their disposal, to go further. David Greenfield, a clinical psychologist who founded the Connecticut-based Center for Internet and Technology Addiction, is pushing for greater education. The internet is addictive, smartphones are even more addictive, he says. Anything we can do to educate people will help with that, he adds. He warns that the features introduced by the large tech groups may not help the hardcore addicts, smartphone users who are spending more than the average five to seven hours a day on screen. Dr. Greenfield also questions whether the companies are introducing the measures simply to improve their own image in the face of shareholder and public criticism. It is hard not to be a little sceptical about their intentions, he says, adding that the problem has been around for a long time. He wrote his first book on tech addiction in 1999, but the companies have taken 20 years to respond. They knew this tech was addictive from early on. The warning signs were pretty clear, he says. Facebook designs its technology to have social validation loops. The whole use of likes is designed from the ground up to be addictive. They know intermittent reinforcement is more likely to push people to use it over and over again, he explains. Dr. Greenfield would like to see warning signs flash up when people turn on their smartphones, informing them of the dangers of addiction and of driving while using devices, in an echo of those developed to stamp out drink driving. We went through a lot of these issues with cigarettes, alcohol and gambling. A lot of it was unregulated at first, then it became more regulated and more controlled, and the industries were required to donate to public education and treatment, he says. Faced with this onslaught of new technology, parents are struggling even to answer questions about how much time on smartphones is too much and at what age it should be limited. Mr. Cook has said that customers checking their iPhone every five minutes might be too much, but he has not suggested how often would be considered okay. It is not just a matter of frequency. The question becomes even harder when some apps, such as the world-building game Minecraft, aimed primarily at children aged 7 and over, might be considered partly educational as well as potentially addictive. It's been an amazingly fast-paced, explosive 10 years, whether you're a company working on this or a consumer, says Lindsay Donnelly, a mother of three living in the San Francisco Bay Area. Culturally, we are just pausing and saying, wait a minute, we need to have a moment of reckoning in how we deal with all of this she adds. In 2015, Ms. Donnelly became frustrated at the limited options available for parents to filter the millions of online apps and videos to see what she felt was appropriate for her own children. So she launched a startup, SmartFeed, with the idea to build a tagging system, a cinema-style certification scheme for apps and videos based on both age ranges and character traits to help parents avoid apps that might encourage compulsive behaviour. Ms. Donnelly believes that doing right by children and making money do not have to be mutually exclusive. Yet despite the lip service that many in Silicon Valley are paying to these issues, SmartFeed has struggled to win funding from venture capitalists or the tech companies. Potential investors, she says, question the business model, saying such guides already existed or that it would be difficult to make money outside Google and Apple's app stores. Ms. Donnelly cites the example of organic food, which 20 years ago was written off as a niche sector. As organic standards were developed by farmers and environmentalists, the likes of Whole Foods emerged to build a sustainable retail model. But there are so many people hooked on checking their apps and feeds, and the tech industry is dependent on the advertising income that the activity generates. It is unclear exactly who in Silicon Valley has the incentive to become the Whole Foods of digital consumption.
Thanks for listening to the FT Big Read. If you like what you've heard, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on all the usual apps. For a limited time, podcast listeners can save 50% on a digital subscription to the FT. To get the special half-price rate, visit ft.com slash offer 50. This episode is produced by Molly Mintz.